Hey, this is JT. Welcome to another episode of The Critical Thought. This episode is going to deal with a group of individuals who are literally the silent and the unheard, but they are the impacted. The video today, which will be later on broadcast for anyone who can't make this actual live video, is going to deal with how the governing body plays with the minds of children. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. For many people who are brought up in this religious denomination like myself and so many others, the things that we viewed, the things that we heard, how we were raised, they have impacted our lives for decades, even though we got them as a child. This particular group of people we're talking about are persons who did not get baptized as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, but they were impacted greatly by what they had learned, the value system that they had been given. And so we wanted to have some guests on this evening who are going to share their life story. They're going to share their experience of how, even though they never got baptized, they were definitely impacted in terms of the type of decisions that they made, how they view people, and how they have been able to live their life after being raised in this religious denomination. So Lady C is going to introduce our guest this evening, and we hope that you enjoy the program. I want to thank you guys as well for being here on uh, The Critical Thought. And basically, we are talking to a group of individuals that are um, that never got baptized as uh, one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And what we're talking about here is, think about this. If you have an issue with an um Let's say you're in a group with a group of people and you are literally in a room and somebody is smoking, but you are the only one that's not smoking, but everyone in the group is. Well, guess what? You are being affected by that smoke. That is the issue that we have with individuals that are unbaptized Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, the first person that we're going to um, introduce you to this evening is Alyssa, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her life and the things that she went through growing up as a witness and explaining just how difficult it was, even though she was not baptized. So, Alyssa, we're going to have, we, we want to um, introduce you to the program this evening. Uh, my name is Alyssa, and I'm a second-generation Jehovah's Witness. Um, my father was a ministerial servant for some time, but was ultimately asked or lost that position because he asked too many questions. And um, yeah, my mother later on in life told me that she never actually believed any of this, just thought she was doing what was best for our family and went along with my father. Um, so that kind of sucked finding that out later in life. Um, at one point in my life, I did think that this was the truth, but when you're born into something and um, the people that you love and trust are telling you that this is how it is, um, or you know, if they're telling you the sky is green, the sky is green, you're gonna believe them until you finally look up and realize that it's in fact not green, it's blue. Um, so once I started critically thinking around age 12, I started asking questions like, you know, Catholics and Jewish people, they all think that they're true. What makes us any different? And the answer was because we are. 
and that just simply wasn't good enough for me. Um, so around 13, I was lucky enough that I was able to get out because my older sister spoke up and she said she no longer wanted to be involved and I kind of followed suit. Um, so it was really confusing as a kid because in your gut, you're knowing that these people, not all of them, but most of them are not doing things that are appropriate, um, not good, but because they are involved with the organization, you're supposed to think they're spiritual and, you know, follow in their footsteps, especially elders and elders' families. Um, and people in my life that I knew that were worldly were lovely people, but I was told that they were bad um, just because they weren't in the organization. So that was extremely confusing for a child. Um, you're not allowed to follow your gut and just being told that, you know, you're wrong all the time is very confusing. Um, another thing is they, with a, I feel like with a young developing mind, they are sending a clear message that you are not okay the way that you are. You need to eradicate any of your flaws, any of your interests, any of your talents, and you need to comply and basically live a robotic life worshiping Jehovah. And then in, if that happens, then you can be perfect. And I feel like because of this, I have a lot of self-esteem issues, um, not being able to, you know, trust my own gut, whatever. Um, yeah, wanting to move forward with a career, but not feeling like I can. Um, yeah, and I just I experienced some really inappropriate kind of gross behavior from elders families, um, a lot of like grooming, like sexually grooming, which is just not okay ever. Um, seeing elders really abuse their children like horrifically. Um, so yeah, I that was my experience. Yeah, the point that you had made about you can't trust yourself, you can't make any judgment calls, that is literally a part of it. Uh, every one of us, we were always taught we got to always rely on the watchtower. Even our parents, they couldn't, we, we saw our parents couldn't make decisions. They would always say, well, let's check with the elders first. And so as a child, that becomes part of you. Well, if I need to know something, I got to go to the elders. And we all know that a lot of the elders, unfortunately, they simply weren't really just qualified for anything. Um, and yet they were often giving advice in areas that they literally knew nothing about. And so I, I think it's important that, as we mentioned before, that the story of this silent, un, un, this unknown or untalked about group on the Internet many times is very important. You grew up in this and now here you are in your adult life and you still recognize that. Even the way I make decisions today, I can look back and I can see how that impacted me. And, and this is this is why we wanted to bring you on to share your story just like that. So that others who may find themselves in the same situation, the most important thing I think is in, when it comes to this Internet channel, as well as other channels, is that we understand we are not alone because you begin to think that you're crazy. 
And and when you see other people, like we're gonna show this evening, we're gonna highlight people this evening. That's and and what's so important for people who are watching this program this evening, these individuals have never met each other. They have never talked to each other. Tonight, when we got together just a few minutes before we went live, was the first time these individuals have talked to each other. And as you listen to their story, you are going to hear a simple commonality that just keeps ringing over and over and over. And that is how we were raised. As I tell people all the time, we all fed from the same trough. And that's why we all ended up being able to do the same thing regardless of where we live. Um, but I, I think I think what you made the, the point that you made was, was so important. Now, do you have children? Sorry, I muted myself. Oh, that's yes, okay. I do. I do. I have two yeah. children. How how would you say that the way you have raised your kids have also either intentionally or inadvertently actually been impacted by being involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, I have to say, I think it impacted it in a good way mm -hmm. because. Trying to do the complete opposite of how I was raised. <laughs> um, you know, they're involved in and everything that they want to be involved in. We celebrate every holiday, birthdays, we go yeah. all out. Um, I'm just trying to give them everything, all the encouragement in the world that I never got. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. The unconditional love that yeah. when I pulled away, um, from the organization I no longer received anymore. There's nothing that they could do that I wouldn't still love them. That That is so wonderful. I, I, I know someone personally, he's a good friend of mine, I've known him for over over 10 years, and he has made a conscious, a conscious decision that my children will not be cut short like he was. This guy had... He had the opportunity to basically get a baseball scholarship. Whether he would have went to play in the major leagues, I, I don't know. And he doesn't know. We often laugh about it. You know, I've been playing for the Yankees, maybe. But it's the fact that it was taken away from him. And this guy, I mean, I have never seen a father who really just makes sure that his daughters, whatever talent, whatever skill, whatever interest they have, he now makes sure that they get to at least Taste it. Even if they don't, even, even down the road, six months, I don't want to do this no more. Well, at least you had a chance. And so that is so important. And the fact that what you did is what we often laugh about when we talk to a lot of, a lot of people is you basically took the lemons that you had and you made them into lemonade for your, your, your children. I mean, that is that that's really good. That is really good. That's good. Thank right. you. So, yeah, thanks so much, Alyssa. And now we're going to hear. Yeah, we're going to hear from Rachel now. So Rachel, you want to let everybody know who you are? Hi there. Um, I'm Rachel. I was uh, born in and I left at the age of 14. Um, I was still living with my parents for about four or five years after that. And um, so that was a little interesting. But um, I think I left a little earlier than, than most people. Um, fortunately, I was able to stand up for myself. But um, I definitely feel that I have um, lifelong impacts from the religion that most people didn't have. You know, I didn't obviously get to celebrate holidays. By the time I left, I wasn't able to join band or chorus like I wish I would have or 4-H. I was never allowed to, to be in 4-H because that was too much worldly association. Hey, Rachel. Um, yes. 
you you have one of those good mics. You don't have them cheap mic like I got. You have a good mic. Could you just 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 back away because what you're saying it it needs to be heard and heard very well. There you go. So so go ahead. You you say that you didn't get a chance to be a part of the 4H, and I remember those those little clubs in school. Right, right. I I wanted to be part of 4H, or I really wanted to be part of um, chorus. I love to sing, but that was too much worldly association and of course at Christmas time they all sang Christmas songs and so that was something I wasn't supposed to do um band I really think I would have been um I would have loved to do that have done that but that wasn't a possibility even though my mom had been in band she and my dad um became Jehovah's Witnesses um in the early 70s and I was born in 76 so by the time you know they were well into it by the time I was born um, so I feel like I just questioned, my dad really didn't have a lot to do with raising us. He worked, he, he really wasn't your typical Jehovah's Witness father. He was working and that was his focus. And so my mom was the one that raised us and was very judgmental, um, and anxious and, um, unhappy. And, and I know that she was unhappy in her life, but she leaned on the Jehovah's Witnesses for happiness, but I don't. I don't think she ever, it really didn't help her. So mom was unhappy. Um, so we just, it wasn't a fun way to, to grow up. We didn't get to do much. Um, and, you know, part of that was money, but I, I just was the odd man out in my family. I was the odd man out at school. I was the odd person out. And even in the kingdom hall, because I think, other people figured out earlier on, maybe even than I knew that I was not going to be a Jehovah's Witness. So um, the girls of my age did not um, associate with me much after a certain point. Um, so I think that I just, I didn't have a good example to follow or anybody's advice to trust. So I had to find things out the hard way. And, you know, maybe that I can't, 100% say that I would have listened to my mom if she hadn't been a Jehovah's Witness, but I definitely didn't. Uh, I thought if she believed in this crazy religion, I certainly don't think she has good advice for me. So even when she did offer me what turned out later to be good advice, I didn't listen because I, I totally questioned everything she had to say. So um, I, I learned a lot of hard lessons because I had to figure everything out on my own. Um, and I, I also have a problem with self-confidence that I never figured out what I wanted to do. And I wasn't discouraged from attending college, but I just, I never figured out what I wanted to do. And so I never finished school, although I made good grades. I just, um, so I, I not to say I don't have a good job, but I certainly could have done better for myself. Oh yeah, um, the, the the point that you made uh, about at a very young age, because you said you left at fourteen. What was it that you were beginning? What 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 was it that you saw, or you heard, or you were exposed to that just told you, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not going to get in that water. I'm not getting that water. Um, I think that I just naturally am not a person that is inclined to be religious and to be devoted to a higher power. So that combined with skepticism, when I had friends at school, I didn't believe they were bad people. And when they tried to tell me they were going to die in Armageddon, I just thought that was rubbish. And I just 
I couldn't, I couldn't sign on with a religion that would do that to these really nice people. Um, we read 1984 when I was in 10th grade and I really applied that to um, the fact that the Watchtower encouraged you to question the religion, but only to read their literature. So I, I had a lot of, I had a questioning mind, which I'm so grateful that I, that I had, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. I, I didn't fall for everything that they tried to tell me. Um, so, I mean, there are a few more things, but I think that was basically, I just naturally not inclined to be terribly religious. And I sure as heck didn't want to go from door to door trying to convince people to believe something that I didn't believe. That, that was like, I, I just couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Now you mentioned something that, that we have often mentioned on our channel. You mentioned 1984, Orson Welles uh, movie and, and book and everything. And if you have not, any, for those of you who are watching, if you have never read that book, if you read that book or you watch the movie, you will see so many similarities of how the organization is literally structured. And that makes all the difference in the world when you come to see this is us. We are actually living this life ourselves. And so that I, I remember someone had told me when I was first on the in that uh, it was a guy was a, he was a former elder. He says, JT, I want you to watch a movie. After you watch the movie, come back and tell me what you think. And I, I it, it was rough. It was very hard to watch that movie because you kept seeing this is us. This is us. So, I mean, I mean it, it's just amazing. Now, let me ask you this question. How do you think uh, it has affected you in areas of relationships with others? Because, you, as you mentioned, the organization builds a distrust in people. Anyone who's outside, you know, little Tommy can never be your friend. And like you said, and this is what gets a lot of people, is that they know people who are basically good, decent people. And to add insult to injury, they know witnesses who wouldn't do half the stuff that these people who are supposed to be our enemies will do. How did it affect you as you start to try to build friendships and relationships outside of the organization? I went the other direction and I trusted too many people because my mom told me not to trust anybody. So I went the opposite direction and I trust people who I really shouldn't have trusted. So that was a big problem for me. Um, it wasn't that I, sh you know, held people at a distance. I, um, I was searching for love and acceptance. So I looked anywhere and everywhere. And the first people that, you know, appeared to give me that I, I was more than eager to embrace them. And that was a very bad mistake. So that was probably, you know, I, I may have done the opposite of what some people have done is I, I ran to anybody who wasn't a Jehovah's witness. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that we hear a, a very similar story. And that is when people leave or when people go outside, they go to one of the extremes. They trust nobody or they trust everybody. And so I often tell people one of the things the organization uh, did for many of us, it did not allow us to learn to balance things, how to judge people. Um, in Raymond Franz's book, he made an interesting comment. He said that when he left the organization for the first time in his life, he could literally judge people or deal with people as individuals, not as a massive group. Everybody in Christendom, you know, well, he was able to look at people and say, this person has some good qualities, good man, good woman. This person over here, this is a fool. 
and I'm not going to have anything to do with them. And so the organization has always given us a black or white, you know, up, down, on, off, you know. And so we all know now that that's not life. Life is not all one side or one side on the other. Life is a lot of grays where you have to make decisions. You have to use discernment. And one of the things the organization doesn't want us to do is to use those types of things because that involves, as we say, critical thinking where you have to analyze something. The organization wants to just simply tell you, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And as kids growing up, this was really an impact on us because we were never being developed as young children how to make decisions. And I often tell people, you know, when you combine, if, you, if a person is in a bad family, in a bad situation, the last thing you want to do is to add the Jehovah's Witness mixture into those type of circumstances. It will only make it worse. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing that story. Now, um, the next individual that's going to talk to us is Leah. And interestingly, you know how a lot of times individuals, we don't really want to go out and talk and let people know who we are because we realize that it's going to impact us greatly, individuals that are baptized. Well, guess what? Even though she is not baptized, she still falls into that group, a group of people that if someone in her family knew that she was out talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and her experience, they're going to start to shun her. But anyway, so she decided that she would come on, but would not be on camera. So we're going to let her talk and tell her story. So let's go ahead and put her on the screen. Hold on. Hello. Y'all good? Hey, how you doing? Thanks, I am Leah, for coming out. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Uh, again, my name is Leah. Um, I'm a third generation JW. My mother's oldest brother, I believe, came became a Jehovah's Witness in the 1940s and was a conscientious objector to participating in the war. So pretty hardcore. And he, in turn, um, got his parents into the religion and then all the children and that's sort of how it started. So my mom initially when she met my dad was not a practicing Jehovah's Witness. She had um, been raised in and, and believed it but my father had made her promise not to become a Jehovah's Witness. He was very um, negative against religions and so my mom promised not to become a Jehovah's Witness, but it ended up several years later from, you know, the encouragement of her family, she became uh, a baptized witness and uh, which created tremendous strife in our family growing up. My dad being a man that was, you know, hated religion and in particular Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and there was my mom, you know, trying to um, indoctr indoctrinate all our children or all her children. So probably around, I guess, somewhere in my early years, I, I sort of remember having my last birthday party around five or six years of age. There were no more Christmases after that. School became um, uncomfortable because, you know, you couldn't participate in any extracurricular activities. You couldn't participate at Christmas uh, functions. Um, I never felt like I fit in anywhere. I didn't feel like I quite fit, fit in at home. I, I didn't feel like I fit in at school. It was a really confusing time, 
you know, I loved my father, but my dad was painted as the enemy by my mom because he would not become a Jehovah's Witness. So it was a, a real trying time growing up in my family. Um, it never felt right to me. You know, people have said, why have you not, uh, you know, why didn't you become baptized? It just, it never felt right. I didn't enjoy the meetings. Uh, I found them boring. They didn't make sense to me. I did not like um, the way women were not allowed to lead. I didn't like the way women were told how to dress. Uh, I guess there was a little spitfire in me that, you know, a bit of a rebel, uh, that I didn't like what I was seeing. Uh, I liked the socialization part of it. I, I liked, you know, having some friends there and stuff. But my life as a JW was very sporadic because my mom had to hide it from my dad. If he knew that she was sneaking me off to meetings or preaching with me, there would have been physical abuse. And uh, so there was lots of secrets in my house, uh, lots of hiding, you know, hiding the uh, teacher book underneath the bed and just, you know, not being honest with my dad. And so it was a trying time growing up in my household. Uh, when I was around 18, my mom kind of gave me the, uh, I don't want to say the boot, but basically she pushed me out the door to live on my own because it was basically, well, you need to abide by my rules or get out. And her rules meant um, becoming a Jehovah's Witness. You know, I had studied for years with her goal of becoming a baptized member, and I, I just it just never felt right to me. So at 18, I, I went and lived on my own and led, a, led honestly a bit of a wild life. I liked to party and I had a lot of worldly friends and um, had a lot of fun, but there was always in the back of my mind that I was doing something wrong. So my story is sort of what I want to get across is even though I was a bit of a rebel and I never totally bought into it deep in the, you know, the inner parts of my brain, I believed it was the truth. And I always felt like inferior because I, why didn't I get baptized? You know, what's wrong with me? In fact, my mom told me that I had a brain defect. That's why I wouldn't get baptized. She told me that I didn't have enough love in my heart. That's why I wouldn't love Jehovah and get baptized. So there's a lot of dysfunction there. And it took me till I was in my 40s to realize that it's all a bunch of hogwash, that it's not true, that there's nothing wrong with me, that the organization is false. So a long time with that sort of eating away at my mind that um, I was the problem and not the religion. Yeah, that that is uh, Leah. That is so deep. Um, in in fact, um, this is this is so important that everyone understand this. Um, you you are not showing your face because a few things are starting to happen in the organization. Um, I I grew up, and many of you who are watching, you recall a time where people literally said, "I'm not getting baptized, so I want to be on the rules, and I won't I won't be affected." But what has happened in the last few years, the organization is starting to make a shift. See, for many, many years, a person who was not baptized but had been a part of this organization, has studied with people in this organization, pretty much they were left alone. 
People still dealt with them, had conversations, they interacted with them, families treated them as they tell us. And we see it oftentimes by many of the representatives. There's no family change. The bond of the family is the mm -hmm. same. But we know it's a lie. We know it's a lie. There is no there's a big change. The problem that we're seeing right now, and this is where a lot of people are being impacted by it, is that they were never baptized. And yet the organization, the, the, the tone of the organization, the tenor of the organization now is we're coming to get you as well. And so over the last few years, they've been giving talks, they've been discussions, there's been Watchtower articles, where now the focus is on if you are not coming to the kingdom hall, whether you baptize or not, I'm not having nothing to do with you. There have been so many people who have called us, talked to us, just private conversations like, they get a phone call out of the blue. Uh, baby, I won't know you come back to the kingdom hall. Oh, I don't know, mom, I might, well, I ain't gonna be able to talk to you. Dun. And so all of a sudden, people who were never baptized are now being treated as if they are disfellowship and they are being shunned. I mean, I'm look, I'm just looking through the comment sections right now at the number of people who were never baptized. And all of a sudden, their lives have been changed. It's been impacted. And so, Leah, we understand that for many people, and that's why I tell people all the time, you know, be very careful. Make sure that you understand the ramifications. Make sure you prepare yourself, because if you start saying something about this organization, there's going to be backlash whether you are baptized or not. And that will often mean cutting of relationships and ties. So it's very important that people uh, you move cautiously. You mm -hmm. see, as we're having this conversation right now, and we're talking about how we can manage this. At the Kingdom Hall, at the meetings, they are telling people what to do. Every Jehovah's Witness has been prepared for the last 20, 30, 40 years for the day that someone steps to them and says something negative about this organization. They know exactly how to respond. And for many of us, and especially for those who are not baptized, you may think, well, I'm not baptized. And all of a sudden, that cold hand of steel in that velvet glove slaps you upside the head and you can't believe it. Um, and so it's important to understand that this, these are the traits of a high control group. Uh, I, I like the, the, the point that you made about your mom, your, your mom. And I think it's very important that, that we stress this. When we left, one of the things my mother said to me, she says, you know, I, I know y'all mad at me. My, my mom, you know, basically she left. She doesn't go to the Kingdom Hall anymore. She ain't been to Kingdom Hall in, 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 in years. Uh, and she knows that they, they just blowing smoke down at the Kingdom Hall. Um, but she told us she thought that we were angry with her because this is how she raised us. She had four children. They could all went to college, got scholarships when the cost of dime probably. But that was taken away from. Her. And so she, she, she feels though we were upset. And we told her, Mama, don't, don't feel that way. You, you, you did the best that you could. Because the Watchtower, and I, I tell people all the time, nobody has a better package than the Watchtower. They just can't deliver it, but it is a nice package. The slick brochures are good, but unfortunately, they can't deliver. And so I think it's so important that you keep in mind this one simple thing. Just to show you how this religion impacts people, whether you are baptized or whether you are not, is the mere fact that you're on this channel. I mean, think about that. Some of you haven't been to the Kingdom Hall in decades, and yet you're on this channel. 
you're, you're, you're peeking into, you, you want to see what's going on because we have been so deeply affected and impacted. And especially if we have family that's still in, it constantly, even though I heard people say, well, I, I broke away. Well, yes, we did break away. But the fact that we know we left family back there in that burning building, that still tugs at us. It still tugs at us. But I'm going to tell you, I'm so glad that you were, were willing to come on because I think it's important that people understand that even though you are not baptized, your life is still being impacted till today. And this is just how powerful this religion has its reach into people's personal lives and family lives. Yeah, that's true. My family um, is a family of elders. Mm -hmm. um, on committee, they were circuit. Mm -hmm. cir uh, I can't even remember the name. Circuit. The circuit overseers. Yeah. Yes, uh, missionaries. I mean, they're elite. They're very prominent. They're very prominent within the organization. Yes. Yes. A and uh, they're still very prominent, mm -hmm. and they are very comfortable still talking it around, talking about it around me. Um. I don't say much because at this point, I know that they're brainwashed. I know that there's nothing I could say that would change their minds. That's true. I, I don't feel angry at my mom. My mom has, has since passed. Um, I, you know, there was a lot of years where I was angry because she mm -hmm. was not, not always nice to me. Oh, that's but, true. I, you know, I realized that she was indoctrinated. She was brainwashed. And uh, really, she was trying her best, but with poor information and the wrong information and really, really judgmental. Um, like that's the one thing I can take away is my mom really taught me how to be judgmental, you know, like oh, gay yeah. people were bad. Oh, yeah. uh, everybody that is not a JW is bad. And it's not a good way to think that black and white thinking. And I'm, I have to tell you that not thinking that way anymore is freedom. Yes. It's yes. freedom. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, as I mentioned before, Ray Franz put it best. You get to deal with an individual as an individual and not a group. Right. Thank you so much. I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you still decide to come on. We appreciate that. We really do. Glad to be here. Lady C, who's next? My mic, my mic was mute. Was on mute. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I really appreciate everybody yeah. um, bearing with me. I, I am in technology, but I'm telling you, this has been <laughs> the, I can't believe how discombobulated I was trying to get all this together. It's all so, good. Anyway, so thanks so much for putting up with me with all this um, stuff. Anyway, Rick, Rick is the next person. Let me unmute his mic. Hold on. There we go, Rick. All right, Rick, welcome this evening. We, you want to go ahead and tell everybody all about yourself now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, well, my name is Rick, and I um I am a second generation. Um, my my mother, at the age of around six, um, notified myself and of course my my two sisters that um, we were no longer going to be um, celebrate anything um, for that as far as period holidays whatever we were not going to and and that was shocking to me at that age um because it distanced us from our family members or cousins or you know it just kind of shut that down um my father 
for me, it's a little different than the stories that um, that I'm hearing. Um, but I, would, I do want to say one thing. I, I am a little bit like Leah, Miss Leah. I don't blame um, anyone. I think um, I look at things a little differently now. I, I didn't back in the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that I, I feel like, the, you know, our parents, you assume our parents are always want to try to do the best they can for you because we're parents. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're correct or they're correct. It just means that I f- or firmly believe that they gave the best they could to their knowledge. Um, but I believe we're just products of the, our youth. And um, for me, it was just a little different. I Because my father was 100% against being a witness, as opposed to my mom was 100% in. So that created a wedge for me. And I think even though we were all put in, my, in that situation with my sisters and myself, um, for me, it was a little bit, I had, a, I had a, a window because my father was against it and I was a male. Um, and that, that I, I, to that point, I think it, it helped me in a certain degree to keep my sanity at a young age um, through that. But I feel that to me, my sisters had it worse, especially my youngest sister. Um, but again, the shock of no holidays, n- no birthdays, no everything that we're cele- we were celebrating, that all went away. So it was a it was a little bit um, difficult to, to accept. Um, as far as baptism for me, it just never felt right. I think it's something that comes from the heart that you desire, that you seek, and um, it just never made sense to me. Um, I'm, I'm similar to the others. We would go to the um, we'd go to the hall. You know, I didn't want to be there. It, it was <laughs> it was extremely yeah you know, blah for me. Um, so it's to, to, to go to that and sit through that. And, but what, what, what it created for that though, to, to not want to be there and, and, and start thinking of not wanting to be part of this, the scars that you take along the way, it creates a thought of, well, you know, God, if there is a God, he doesn't want me because I don't want, I don't want to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where, you know, I had nightmares. Um, I think, when you're six, seven, eight years old and you're being told the world's coming to the end, so you better get going. Um, I had nightmares of Armageddon and my, they don't know it. My sister's still a witness. My niece is a witness. My mother's still a witness. They don't know this, but it, I, I struggled with it. Um, I would wake up just, you know, hey, I dropped the ball. They were right. And it affected me. Um, there was many incidents in my life because of the wedge. I remember one time for um, Halloween, my father got my sister, my younger sister, and myself some outfits for Halloween. My older sister had already become a witness, and um, he said, "You're going, you're going on, you're going to go Halloween. You're going to go trick or treat, and have fun." And we were excited because he directly told us, and we assumed, "Hey, he's already got it covered with mom. We're going to get to go to Halloween." Yet my father went somewhere that evening, and um, when we were looking at each other, my younger sister and I said, "Hey, we're going to, we're going to partake." My mom's like, "No, that's not going to happen." We're going to sit in that room. We're going to turn the lights off and this night's going to pass. And the very next morning, I was about 12 years old. Um, my, uh, my father, my father and I had a, I had a paper route in the mornings, about three or four in the morning. We'd, we'd throw a paper and my dad didn't say one word to me the entire drive to the, to the newspaper place. And he, the one thing he said when we got out of the car to get our papers, he said, why didn't you go to trick or treating? And I said, uh, mom said no. And, um, my dad slammed the door so hard that it shattered, shattered. And it, it was to me, I was terrified because I'm, I felt like I've done what my mother said 
but I failed my father. There was many times where my mom would give me a, a book study or Bible study in private, assuming that my dad, my dad was not going to be around and he would show up. My heart would just drop because I knew wrath was coming, not because he was an evil person, but it's because, again, I did what I was not supposed to do. But I'm just, I was just a kid. And I think what happens for a lot of us is we're just kids. You know, we're just trying to do what we're supposed to do according to what our parents tell us to do. So to me, it was it was some things like this. My, at 12 years, uh, 14, my mother said, you'll never finish high school. Armageddon will be here before you know it. It just never made sense to me. So uh, there's there's a lot of things that we have to that we just experience and we go through and we live through. And um, and I want to say, even though there I have no no animosity, no, no, no um, bitterness. It's, a, it's been a process to get to that point. And I, if there's anything that anyone can hear is the fact that it takes time. It takes time and it takes, for me, it had to be uh, to a point where in my teens, when I left, instead of seeking God in a different way, I went completely a different direction. I did the party. I did the wrong things. I Technically, I shouldn't even be here for the things I've done that were a big mistake. But for, for whatever reason, I'm here. And I always felt like there's something else. There's something else. And um, but I, I still have a re- great relationship with my mother and my sister. And I think there's a boundary that we respect each other where we don't, you know, as long as we don't mention this or that, everything's OK. But it's unfortunate because, you know, I wish they, they could see what we now see, what so many of us have battled through. And now we're like, how can we help them to get clarity? Because they've, they've just been it's, it's a. It's a brainwashed situation, but for me, I had to research myself. I had to find the gutter. I had to break down, and, and, and in my situation, I chose to really find who really God was. And fortunately for me, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian since I was 30. I'm 54, and my life has been completely the opposite of what I thought going to church was or worshiping was. To me, it's a blessing. It's a relationship with God. And I don't have to worry about what happens next because I know that he loves me. So, and I, I, I feel that there's so many people that unfortunately we get so caught up in the sut that we have to grow up through that we struggle to see light through it. And, and, I, and I encourage people that just fight through it. It takes time, but it's there. Whether Whatever choice that you go through, whatever, but for me, um, finding Christ and, and being born again Christian was was truly the the, the, the pivotal point for me. Um, so yeah, Rick, um, that that that's deep. Um, and the reason why is because you you touched on some things that are absolutely essential for this conversation that we're having this evening, and that is the divide that takes place inside of people's homes because of this religious belief system. We have heard a number of, and this is, and, 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 it's, and it's just, I'm going to tell you, man, it, it just goes to show what happens when people don't have information. Okay. We've heard a number of people this evening share the experience that their father or their other parent just hated Jehovah's witnesses, you know, just, just, just wanted nothing to do with it, but they didn't know why they didn't have the tools that we have now. Many of our parents, like for, even myself, my father never got baptized. The reason my father never got baptized, he says, 
you guys give these men too much power. Because my mom would come home and say, well, let me check with the elders. The elders said, the elders said, my dad said, well, the elders ain't paying for that around here. Okay. And so this divide that takes place, you want to do what your mom says, but you want to do what your father says. We all know of a, an absolutely world famous person, musician, artist, one of the best in the world who's recently passed. He was in a family just like that. He had his mom. He loved his mom. He had his dad. And he was literally torn between who do I go with, mama or daddy, mama. Or daddy. And that's what many Jehovah's Witnesses like yourself, kids growing up, find yourselves in, including myself. You are trying to, to please both mom and dad. And of course, as a child, someone put in the post, uh, one of the comments that kids should be allowed to be kids. And we were not allowed to do that. As you said, here you are now at, a, at an age in your life. And to this very day, as you related that story, it was as if it happened yesterday. And this is why I tell people, no, do not get hung up on this. A person got baptized and a person didn't. We grew up and we all went through the same thing and we were impacted. And so I, I think it's important. Now, now, let me ask you this, Rick. Do you have children or family? yourself yes sir i have um i have a daughter and a son and um but when, when i when i had my daughter i was i was apart from god i was okay. apart from anything mm -hmm. um i was just here and my and but um with my son through a my second marriage i was able to see a different way of raising him um and to me through the discipline that i've learned and through the blessing to, of, of getting to know god is what has taught me to be a better father. I, and, I, and unfortunately, I didn't have that privilege from my daughter who at a very young age, I didn't have that. I didn't provide that for her. It wasn't until probably her, maybe she was 10 before I really started focusing on, 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 on just finding out what, yeah. what is out there. You know, I, ha I had to research. And back then, you know, when I was in my 20s, there was no internet. You yeah. had to go to a library, start looking, research, and find out what is this all about. Um, but for me, um, I, I'm thankful that my daughter is as well a Christian now, and so is my son. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's that's 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 what happened for me. Yeah, I, I think the, the I think the the last thing that you said was very important, and that is that people take away that you can come through this. You you can come through on the other side, and there's sunshine. There there is sunshine on the other side. But as you're going through the tunnel, uh, it, it can be dark. And that's really the whole, you know, Lady C and I, we, we, we debate all the time about, you know, should we put that in? No, maybe we should. And then we end up putting stuff in and we, we think many times that it's not going to be important. And oftentimes the smallest little thing that people say when we interview them actually becomes what stands out in the minds of most of the people who respond both either online or privately people contact us and so it's important that your story be told so rick man i i, I just want to thank you and your family uh you know the, the, the wife and kids we yes. want to thank you guys for, for for taking the time to, to to share your personal life story with us today thank you happy to be yep. here yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. And next up is our buddy, Nathan. So Nathan, you want to come out and tell everybody who you are? Hey man, how you doing hey. guy? 
Pretty good. Um, so I'm a fourth generation witness. Um, both my parents were in my, when I was growing up, my dad was an elder, mom a pioneer. So, uh, you know, you go up to Kingdom Hall and you're just the, you know, respected family or, or whatever. But uh, my, my experience was um, at the hall and at home was two completely different things. And uh, there was uh, quite a bit of physical abuse at home that went completely, you know, under everybody's radar, you just kind of show up, you know, to the meetings, to field service, you know, you don't say anything to anybody, you just, you know, pretend like nothing ever happened. And, uh, cause you gotta make Jehovah look good. So, um, I was, I'm going to say about 12 years old when my parents split up and um, they're they're both still witnesses now. They went their separate ways. I guess my mom had finally had enough of it. And at about 14, I had been going through all this um, stuff with my dad for uh, you know my entire childhood. So uh, I finally, I guess, I had enough of it. And I started uh, you know pushing back against him. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. You're not gonna treat me like that anymore. And I was brought to the elders and deemed an unruly child and at the time i was an unbaptized publisher so i was removed from that and uh, you know i mean I, I had given talks i was you know doing everything and, and as soon as they removed me uh, i told them everything that had happened uh, as a child my brother came up he told him what had happened to him as a child and and both of us laid it all out there and my father went on private proof so he just got his privileges taken away and he had already stepped down as an elder when my parents split up so but he just had his privileges taken away and i think it was a month later and he was back on the uh platform giving the prayer oh so, my goodness yeah it was at that time i was i was just completely done with it there's there no way i was ever gonna go back <laughs> no so, way <laughs> uh, no so i moved out and moved in with my grandmother and uh she was pretty supportive of me and she went to the King of Honor thing too. So I moved in with her after about a couple of months, the elders came by to visit me, said, well, you're going to be affecting your grandmother's spirituality and her spiritual health if you stay here. So it'd be best oh, wow. if you move back in. So I moved back in with my father until I was about 17. And uh, that was when I went and got my own place and, and got away from my family altogether. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked back since really um they still call me and and you know the the biggest the, the weirdest thing that they say is they'll call and they'll say like you know we're gonna miss you in the new system and it's just like how, how do you know that you're even gonna be there you know it's just like the the thought process behind um witnesses as a whole is that you know they're above and beyond the proof and it's just it's hard to get through to them that you know there there is no guarantees for anybody until the time comes and it's just i don't know I, i'm doing a lot better now though after that's good after getting away from all of it they just uh, it just took having to walk away <laughs> yeah you, you know nathan you're in one of those special uh positions you are people outside of the organization they call it the preacher's children the preacher's son the preacher's daughter in this case he was the eldest son and so what you saw 
was not the, the, the pretty picture that we think of the elders and his wife. Because I know growing up as a kid, I always wished that, that my family was like the family who were elders and the pioneer wife. I always wished that my mom and dad was like that. And then you find out years later, they was fussing, fighting, cussing, and fighting at home and like, like anybody else. And, um, and so that's what you saw. You saw literally your parents with positions in the organization being praised, you know, the greatest thing in the world. And you, you, you I can imagine you sitting like, it ain't like that, y'all. It ain't like that, y'all. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, when you're when you're real young, you know, you, you kind of just take it as being normal. Like maybe everybody else goes through the same thing because you're so wow. isolated as being a witness. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't really have much experience. You can't really talk about stuff outside of, you know, your family arrangement or, or the witnesses in general. So you, you don't really have much, you know, experience in, in what life's supposed to be like. Yeah. Would you say... Um, how what would you say in terms of how the being indoctrinated in this religion how it has impacted you even though you are now on your own you're a grown person you you're making your own way how do you as you look back see how that indoctrination process has impacted perhaps decisions that you have made that if you had not been involved with witnesses you probably would have never made those kind of decisions well um I'm in a, uh, I'm a trade right now, so I do HVAC, and I really wanted to go to school. You know, that was like my, I was I was pretty good at school, and I loved math. I, you know, I wanted to be um, engineer, science, something along those lines. Yeah. But you know, it they were really against schooling, which is funny because my dad had an associate's degree, and my mom went to Auburn, so it's kind of funny that they were so against and opposed to schooling, but. Um, yeah, you weren't allowed to do any of that stuff, any extracurriculars at schools you couldn't do. Um, so it, I think that affected my, uh, my outlook on it. Like, oh, you know, you're just going to be stuck doing this your entire life, you know, and it's, it's taken me some time to get to a, a better place where now I have yeah. a better job. And, but yeah, your career, I think, and your long-term outlook on things really is diminished when you're a witness because they're always looking for oh well the end could come tomorrow so why worry yeah. about later yeah and and, and that kind of lingers on with us years after we leave and i think in talking over the years and talking to witnesses uh young people especially those of us who grew up whether we got baptized or not the career choices is probably the biggest impact that this religion has had on us um we did a video on don't let the watchtower crush your dreams and it dealt with how we made decisions or decisions were made for us that has impacted us now into our 30s, 40s, 50s, and even older. And so uh, it, it's so important that people see uh, how this religion impacts people. Sometimes you will hear, we will hear people say, well, I let my child go to the kingdom hall with their grandparents or with my, my wife or with my husband. It's very important to understand that those little kids sitting there in that kingdom hall, they are like a sponge. They are sucking this stuff up. And we have heard so many sad stories that after a few years, their children reach like 15, 16 years old and they get baptized and they then turn to their parents and say, you are an apostate and I'm leaving. And so we have to keep in mind that the indoctrination, the governing body, they now have for all the kids this little thing called Sophia and, and everything, the little cartoon characters, but they are excellent teaching tools. 
and they are actually inculcating into these little kids at a very young age by using cartoons. They are putting into their mind a value system. And for all of us who have left, we know that the Watchtower has a value system that is literally upside down. And um, But I think it's important, as, and my wife and I, we, we wanted to get you guys to share your stories. Uh, does anyone have anything you want to conclude with or anything you want to just leave for everybody to think about? If you do, just feel free to just speak out. Okay, go ahead and listen. Okay, I uh, I forgot to mention um, the fear that they instilled into me. Yeah. Um, I remember being three years old. I was in preschool, and it was cleanup time, and I took a block, and I shoved it in my pocket rather than putting it away. And for a couple years afterwards, I thought that I was going to die in Armageddon because I was a thief. And... I was three years old when this happened. So between that and the My Book of Bible Stories with the horrific images, you know, they they give a lot of adult material to children that is just unacceptable. And um, I used to pray every night that Armageddon would not come um, because I was just so terrified. And the thought of the everlasting life kind of freaked me out as well. Um, So yeah, they just, the fear. It's a, it's a big issue yeah. as well. Yeah, the governing body knows how to mess with the children's minds, and they use that fear. When I was coming along, we had another book. It was called Paradise Lost to Paradise Regained. And there is a picture, I think it's either on the back page or the front page, I can't remember. It's, it's like the insert, and it's a picture of Armageddon. And I recall, and it's showing the earth splitting open and people falling into the earth and on bicycles and screaming and hollering. And I remember my mom used to tell us whenever we did something bad, she was saying, that's going to be y'all. That's going to be y'all. And you'll be scared to death. I mean, it's just scared to death. And to think, to look back now, um, that was literally just psychological torture of children. And they do it. And the reason they do it is because, unfortunately, it is effective. It is so effective. And graphic. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean. If you ever looked at the Paradise Lost and Paradise Green book and you're like four or five or six years old, while yeah. everybody's looking at Mickey Mouse and, Rose, yeah. and Buzz Bunny and Rose Runner, this is what you're looking at death. I mean, when you, I mean, you think about this, think about this. As children, we were exposed to such adult material. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about death and, and they would talk about, you know, there's going to be blood up to the horse bridle. I remember every time we saw a horse, because everybody back home when I, in North Carolina, people had horses and stuff, and you would, you would just think, blood up to the up to the bridle up and so this is and it's become like you said you you have nightmares about this kind of stuff and yeah. they know that they know that and they do it intentionally they do it intentionally it's a fear bubble it's a fear bubble that we're in you know that we have to i mean we it, there's no way out of it unless we somehow break through and it's it's uh it's very difficult for me i think i've had it you know i i, I have i have friends who are still witnesses who are great people, but I met people who are out of the, the organization, but just so much psychological scar that it's just really, really hard to, to go through the process. But I, I, I encourage anyone that, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I, I like the way you I like the way you phrase it. I, I think that really sums it up is that we become in some sense we still bear the scars. 
We still bear the scars from our childhood. And it is, and, it's, and for some of us, like you said, it's very visible. And that's why we encourage people, you know, seek, seek, seek help. Do not try to do not try to do this by yourself. As they say on TV, you know, don't try this at home. You know, do not try this at home. Seek a help, seek assistance. And and there are many different forms of help that you can get. Uh, one of the first things is is being here. Being here lets you see you're not by yourself. So take this as simply step one and move on because seek out anyone that you can provide you with the type of help that you need. Because I'm going to tell you, man, over the years, even myself, um, it's been so important to talk to people because you can't carry this around by yourself. Don't carry this around by yourself. Can I add something? Absolutely. It's Leah here. Um, I just want everyone to know that there is absolutely hope. There, there's hope to heal. There's hope for forgiveness. There's hope for finding out who you are and being true to yourself and living really a successful, uh, happy life. Uh, and I'm, you know, a good example of that. I'm married. I have a wonderful husband. I have a beautiful daughter who I've taught to be a critical thinker, uh, to believe in herself. And, you know, despite all the brainwashing and indoctrination, you know, go out and do the research. Put the time in. Get the help if you need help. And life can get better. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you so much. In fact, right now, there are channels that are sprouting up on the Internet that is designed to address the concerns and issues of those who did not get baptized. We encourage you support those channels the same as you support our channels. Every single voice. And that's why I tell everybody, everybody who has gone through the Watchtower indoctrination program, you got a story to tell. And so let your story be heard, even if it's not on our channel, other channels, or even set up your own channel and tell your story. Uh, Lady C, anything you want to conclude with this evening? No, I just want to say thank you for, to everyone for coming out and sharing your experiences because it is so wonderful yeah. to have a collective group of people that can share and, and just be here on the um, same video together. Instead of just, because we usually do just one person but we just thought we would do, you know, multiple people. We did have others that weren't able to make it. Yeah. So we'll get them next um, time. Next time, you know, we plan on doing this again. So if, you know, you know anybody that wants to share their um, experience about what it was like being an unbaptized witness or in some were unbaptized publishers. And one of the things that we had named the video was how the governing body plays with the minds of children because no matter what, you know, you didn't really understand it. I mean, I understood when I was a kid that as long as I was a kid and Armageddon came, I could um, make it into the new system under my mom's um, name and everything with Jehovah because I was too young to, you know, get baptized. So I didn't get baptized until I was 18. And so it's like, you you feel like the, the governing body they put us out there and we don't understand a lot of the stuff that we're going through. So that's why, you know, when I saw um, this opportunity, I wanted to reach out to reach out to this group of people. In fact, um, 
this is a growing, I'm not going to say it's a growing group of people because you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that there's so many more people that we're discovering yeah. that are in your situation. Yes. Because of the emails we get. And that's why I said, well, you know, let's talk to the unbaptized and share their story because they're humans. They have, they have feelings and emotions and they count. And they're also being affected by the Jehovah's Witnesses that are not talking to them as well. Because I think Leah and I talked and she was telling me about how even though she's not baptized and her Jehovah's Witness family members, they will actually talk to her. They all just talk about Jehovah's Witness stuff. So you can't really talk about anything unless it's related to being a Jehovah's Witness. So it is difficult for unbaptized people. Yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to say that. Yep, so I just wanted to say that. Go ahead. You want to say something, uh, Rachel? Yeah, I, I'm glad that I came on because I thought I left all this behind when I was 14 and I'm 45, but I yeah, feel exactly. like there's a lot that I can still, you know, learn about myself from, you know, talking to you guys. And, you know, I definitely don't always want to rehash this for, you know, forever, but, you know, I can, I have a lot of insights that I've gained that from just this little show this night that I thought might be helpful moving forward. Yes, let me let me just let me let me put let me put what you said in, in in very real terms. You mentioned that you left about fourteen, and as a result, you said you made some bumps and stumbles. This is really what the purpose is. See, there are people who are not. See, what, one of the mistakes that one of the mistakes that we see people make, and it it really pains us, because they leave the organization, whether they're baptized or not. Some feel, well, let me just 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 do anything, just just do anything I want to do. No, 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 no. You, you, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you, you don't have to run into the wall just because you left. And I think it's important that people like yourselves help people to understand, look, if you're going to leave, these are the things that you need to consider so it doesn't stumble you along the way. In other words, we want people, if you're going to leave this organization, it's important to be able to leave and hit the ground running. We don't want people to leave and fall on their face because that's what the organization's already said. The organization says, if you leave us, you will fall on your face. That ain't true. That is not true. It doesn't have to be true. And if someone is there to let you know, look, man, you know, you want to leave out. I understand you found this is not the truth. This is what you want to think about doing. And so this is really what is this. Is, I'm telling you, the Internet is a game changer. We can see people like we've had today who, through their own personal experience, they're able to realize, OK, if I had maybe done it different this way. Well, you can. If you're in this position right now as a young person where you say, I can't do this, then make sure that when you do make your move, you know how to make a proper move so you don't have to stumble and make mistakes on your way out the door because the organization is banking they are banking on you falling on your face and as a result you're gonna have to crawl back to them on broken glass and there's no need to do that once you realize that this is not the truth 
you realize I got to move in a different direction. All we want to do is help people to understand that you can leave this organization and you can keep on rolling. And that's what Lady C and I did. When we left this organization, we made a, we made a conscious decision. They will not be using us in no talk because we know exactly what the organization has taught us about we are nothing. Without us, we are nothing. And so we realized that's not true. And as you've seen this evening, the people that we have interviewed, all of them have come to the same conclusion that what they were told about them being nothing because they didn't get baptized, you don't love God because you didn't do this. No, they've all come to the realization. No, it has nothing to do with them. And that is why they came on this evening to share their stories, to let everybody know you're going to be all right. Lady C, you want to wrap it up for us? Oh, I think you did a wonderful job, JT. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody did a great job telling yeah, their stories and everything. And um, did everybody get a chance to make final comments? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Everybody's good. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show this evening with us. And we want to thank all of those who are watching the show. And for those who will be able to watch the show after this show, because it's live right now, we want to thank everybody for your support in helping us to be able to help others. Let one hand help another hand. This has been JT. And this has been Lady C. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.